Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, there may be total darkness, but Jesus is total light. Amen? Uh, Today we're going to look at an encounter where a blind man receives sight uh, in more ways than one. Before we do that, I want to encourage you and thank you for your participation in the spiritual growth campaign. Today is day 21 of 40 days of prayer, and I've been enjoying my small group and been challenged, greatly encouraged by the material and the guys in my group and the daily prayer journals. Uh, So we're uh, just at the halfway mark here. Don't quit halfway. Also, I want to give an update today on Pastor Jordan Headley and um, Hope Valley Church in Surprise, Arizona. Uh, They uh, planted a church this year in the fastest growing county in the nation. We supported them. You remember this with part of the celebration offering uh, last year. Uh, We decided to support two church plants. One of them, Hope Valley, um, was they weren't even launching until the fall, and now that's here. Can you imagine planning a church uh, this year, and they've been going through the launch process uh, through all of this and persisting and staying determined and hopeful and everything else, and they've done it. They had their first services on September 13th. They've put together an excellent portable campus that's meeting in a high school, and uh, they've seen nine people give their lives to Jesus since the launch, baptized six, five more wanting to be baptized next month, and come on now, yeah, way to go, Jordan. Uh, Very exciting things, and because of your generous giving, we've been able to contribute uh, more to them at their launch time as well, and uh, I just pray people will encounter God because of their ministry and their work there. In fact, can we just pause right now and pray for Hope Valley. Uh, Heavenly Father, we lift up this church to you. We're so thankful for them, encouraged uh, by their persistence and their work. Uh, God, I I lift them up to you. Uh, Even right now at the time change, they're getting going and uh, getting ready uh, for a wonderful day. And uh, Lord, I remember those days of going into a space that wasn't a church and cleaning up all manner of smells and stains and who knows what, and uh, making it uh, look like a church, and uh, just lift up the uh, children's church, and just the aspect of their weekend service, and everything to you. God, save more. Uh, Call more. Uh, There's a great need there, and uh, we lift up Pastor Jordan, and uh, that launch team to you, those 100 people that are are working on this uh, week in, week out, day in, day out. uh, We praise you for them. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So uh, we've been talking about God encounters because we need an encounter, not just explanations. And so far we've looked at some encounters in the Old Testament, in Jacob, and Moses, and Isaiah. Today we're going to look at an encounter in the Gospels, uh, which I love, an encounter with God, with Jesus Christ. Uh, This encounter you can find in three of the four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, We'll read it today from Luke and drop in some insights that we learned from the other accounts along the way. This is one of my, uh, I know I I say this, uh, it seems like every time we talk about an encounter with Jesus, but this is one of my favorite miracles, one of my favorite God encounters. It's one of my favorite to just read. Even since I was a kid, I've loved this 
encounter with Jesus. It starts with the setting in Luke 18, uh, where it says, as Jesus approached Jericho, uh, now Jericho is a very important city, it's historic, a lot of things happen in Jericho. It's one of the larger cities Jesus ever visited. Uh, It's an oasis in the wilderness, about 15 miles from Jerusalem, where Jesus, Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. And he's getting closer and closer to the cross. Uh, this is just, just before what Christians call the Passion Week, uh, which is Jesus' last week before he dies on the cross. And so he's getting closer and closer to the cross. He's making his climb to the cross. And I say it that way because Jericho is the lowest city in the world. I'm talking elevation here. You were thinking, I could think of five lower cities than that. Not morally, but uh, of, of elevation. It's the lowest city in the world. It's 820 feet below sea level. Jerusalem, where he's uh, headed, is quite a bit above sea level. And it's possible that Jesus has never entered Jerusalem uh, this way before. The Gospel of John suggests that Generally, when Jesus would enter the city of Jerusalem, he would come through the sheep gate uh, to be unobtrusive. This would be the gate through which animals were brought to be sacrificed, Uh, but not this time. Uh, This time, he's he's coming in on the main road, he's making his climb, he's ascending uh, as a king, and he's going to make a powerful entrance and with those who recognize him as king. So he's making his climb as he's going through a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Two things, he's blind and begging, blind and begging. Now in Mark's account, we get, we get this man's name. His name is Bartimaeus, the blind, blind Bartimaeus. And beggars would often sit by uh, these roads, wait along the road in the cities, uh, because that's where they'd be seen by the most amount of people. And this disability made it very difficult for them to work. Medical help was not available. They tend to get ignored. So they're trying to get in front of as many people as possible to beg. Uh, when he heard the sound, so when blind Bartimaeus heard the, heard the crowd going by, he asked, What's hap- what is all this commotion? What am I hearing? What's going on? He's hearing a large crowd of followers go by. They're talking. They're celebrating. Uh, He has sat there day after day. He's hearing something new. Jesus is going to pass through Jericho. He's going to hit Jerusalem on now what we call Palm Sunday because they wave the palm branches and they uh, they demonstrate his kingship. We see this large crowd going through. And not only are they following Jesus in this instance, really uh, they're doing uh, what they would be doing. They're going to Passover Uh, The celebration is about to happen in Jerusalem. And so Jerusalem is going to swell in size as all these people start coming in to celebrate Passover. Jesus is on the road with all these people headed to Jerusalem. So think like somewhat like a crowded airport around Thanksgiving or Christmas uh, where everybody's going, even a lot of people going to the same place at the same time. Verse 37 Uh, They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. I like these people that tell, they stop and tell him what's, he doesn't know what's going on. They explain to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Well, he called out, Jesus, 
son of David, have mercy on me. And I, I love that phrase, that first he yells out a title speaking to Jesus' lineage with King David. And really, this title is, is a way of saying the Messiah. The Messiah is, is coming by, I'm yelling out to the Messiah, descendant of David, who will sit on the throne forever. So they're saying Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Bartimaeus starts calling him the Messiah. Verse 39, those who led the way, so those that are part of this celebration that's going down the road, rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Shh, be quiet. But he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Don't you love that? Have mercy on me. Jesus stopped. So everything is moving. This whole commotion, this whole crowd is moving. He stops, suddenly stops, and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, one of the accounts tells us that they pick up the blind man, they bring him over, they tell him, cheer up, cheer up, Jesus has called, called for you. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Have mercy on me. What is it that you want me to do for you? This is one of the most exciting, compelling, helpful, hopeful phrases that Jesus would ever say to anyone. This question, what do you want me to do for you, is at the core of our faith. It is. I, I, wouldn't you love to be asked that? Wouldn't you love for Jesus to ask you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer it? You're standing before Jesus. What would you say? Now, blind Bartimaeus couldn't see. He was having to beg. And the answer seems obvious to us today of what he should say. But put yourself there in that moment. This is a beggar. He's begging for money, begging for food, begging for things, begging for a place to stay. He's been asking for things all day, day after day. He asks for things. And he could say, Jesus, I'm so glad you asked. I need some more money. Jesus, I need a better place to beg. Jesus, I need a better mat to, 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 to kneel on as I'm begging, to sit on as I'm begging. I need some food. Jesus, all I have is this one, this one garment. I need some warmer clothing. I wonder if there was someone in the crowd who thought, man, I wonder where Jesus is going to make some money come out of right now. If it were me, I would wonder if I'm in the crowd watching this, I'd start backing up because I'd think, Jesus is going to look at me and tell me to give him some money. Like he's just going to look at the first person he sees. Take care. I'm delegating this problem to you. And so you wonder what the, what's the crowd thinking? What do you want me to do for you? I believe he's saying it to us today. I believe he's saying it to you, to me, to anyone who feels forgotten by the road or told to be quiet. Don't know what destination we're headed. He looks at you and says, what do you want me to do for you? And I want to hear where you're sitting or maybe where you're watching this and in your car, in your house, in your trailer, in your apartment, wherever you are, that Jesus is asking this question. 
And he responds, Lord, I want to see. I want to see, he replied. Wow. The blind man had been asking everyone else for money. He knew to ask Jesus for something only God could give. That's what you ask a friend, what you ask a stranger is for a place to stay, for more money, for some food. What do you ask the Messiah? You give him a challenge that only the Messiah could fulfill. Jesus told him, just as simply as this, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. And he's speaking to a complete healing here. That this is what I'm praying, that we'll be able to come out of blindness into the light of Jesus, that we would be in the light as Jesus is in the light. The total light, total light can meet total blindness and not only have an experience to see, but an experience that that means new life for us, a complete healing. Immediately, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. Like he started shouting again, and he followed him. When, when all the people saw it, they also praised God. So they too erupted with uh, shouts of praise. I just love reading this account. It, it speaks to me, and we're going to spend our, our whole time on this encounter today. And I want to uh, break this encounter into slices. I love pizza What's your favorite pizza? What's your favorite pizza place? The reason I say this is I don't really have points today and I didn't know what to call them because you're getting to get so many points this last week, this week in your small group curriculum. These aren't even really points about this. They're, they're really slices. They're pizza slices. Goodness, I love pizza. Would you just turn, turn to your neighbor, tell them your favorite pizza place. What's your favorite pizza place? Mine's Zion Pizza and Noodle. Man, I love me some Papa Murphy's. Um, you can't go wrong, really. Just, to, just say it in your, in your house right now, in your trailer. What's your favorite pizza place? So we're just going to break this down into six, six slices. All right, now, now, you've got to let that go now. You're going to think about it the rest of the time. You can reflect on it. Tell them next week when you see them again. There's a blind man, and he's got a problem. And that's the first slice. You might write this down. Is there's a problem? Boy, do we not have a problem today? Now, his problem is he had no vision. He didn't know what to do. Uh, his sight was just a memory. Some translations tell us that he wanted to see again uh, because there's something in the texts, in the manuscripts, uh, that suggests he could see before, but he can't see now. Where some of the blind in the Gospels, it tells us they were blind since birth. There's something here that suggests his blindness came along the way. His sight was just a memory. And not knowing what to do, all he sees now is dim and dark. There's nothing. I mean, there is, he's just stuck in darkness. And when you're blind, you don't even know whether it's light or dark. You don't even know what's going on. The pain can be blinding. Life can be so hard. It's even just just so difficult to see through the loss or the pain or the hurt or the confusion. And sometimes we can't see because of our frustrations or our decisions or our attitudes. And uh, Peter talks about this in 2 Peter 1. He says his divine, God's divine power 
has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. And it's going to stack these, not like columns that you jump one through the other, but you add this and you usher in this to your faith and you bring this into your faith as well. To your faith, goodness. To your goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. You want your knowledge of Jesus Christ to be effective? Want it to be productive? You add these things to your faith. Let's go to the next one. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and what? Blind. Forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. This speaks, this speaks. This is the kind of problem that God tells us we have. We don't have a good enough problem to where, well, I'm just not, I'm just not good enough and I need to do better. We have a problem that we're lost. We have a lost problem. We have a dead problem. Apart from Christ, we are dead. We have a blind problem. Without Jesus, we are blind. So he has a problem. He's begging by the roadside. What does he do? Well, a blind man's problem turns into a blind man's prayer. A lot of options. He decided to pray. He called out to Jesus. And sometimes we can't see, but we can hear. He's got a problem. You know what he did? He called out to Jesus. And sometimes we can't see things, but the Bible tells us, Romans 10, 17, that faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. And if there's one thing we need to be hearing right now, more than the what ifs, more than the news, more than the opinions, more than the radio, beyond the natural things that we're hearing, I'm praying that we'll hear a different sound. <laughs> whether whether we're, we've got good hearing or not, <laughs> that we'll hear the word of God. We need a savior, so he prayed. Son of David, he's calling out to the Messiah. Jesus the Nazarene is passing by. I know who that is. Son of David, the Messiah, he calls out. There's power in his prayer. I, I love how we've been praying because sometimes you don't have anything you can do. Like there's so many, so many circumstances are out of our control. So you pray, which is the most important thing we can do. And when all the problems get up against us, the problems of our day, the problems of the kids, the schedule, the conflicts, figuring things out, Bartimaeus had a prayer, and the prayer opened the door. But hello, it, he, it didn't happen the first time he prayed. He had to call out again. Don't quit. This is not a time to quit. This is a time to call out to God just like this blind man did. 
And we see in this account, my favorite thing is a blind man's prayer uh, turns into a blind man's praise, if you're taking notes. This story tells us he called out to Jesus and it turned into praise. He couldn't see, but he could hear. He couldn't see, but he could praise. He couldn't see, but boy, could he shout. And as he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, shh. He didn't let the naysayers, he didn't let the negative, he didn't let the problems determine his praise. Boy, do so many let their problems determine their praise. Like he hasn't even received his sight yet, and he's praising like he has. He's already calling him the Messiah. It made him praise. He didn't let problems determine his praise. It made him praise him even more. Have mercy on me. Have you felt that lately? There was one of these days, the 40 days of prayer. I was doing the devotional in my truck, and I just started calling out, Have mercy on me. I mean, this blind man, those who tried to quiet him down, try, try to quiet down the situation. That he's, you don't know my story. You don't know what I, I've been through. You don't know what I'm trying to come out of here. You can't stop a praise. Literally, his praise opened up a pathway for the Savior of the world. Jesus' miracle and Bartimaeus' praise stoked the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. This confession uh, reminded them and gave them the words to speak as he came into Jerusalem. This blind man reminds them that he is in the lineage of King David as he enters Jerusalem as a king. And don't let the change, the panic, society unknown, not being able to see, dim your praise. Hold on to your praise. Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man, who's he talking about? He's saying me. <laughs> this poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. And sometimes you got to praise him uh, for what you don't have. Like, you praise him what, with what you have right now, but you praise him before you even get it, before you even are delivered. What a story. What a miracle. Uh, there's some other things taking place. The blind man's problem and prayer and praise, uh, but then there's Jesus, and this is the fourth slide. Is Je slice. Jesus is passing by. He had a lot of bad days, a lot of bad news, uh, Bartimaeus did. Day in, day out, sitting by that road, all he had was a garment. Some of you have been there. You've had to sit by a road uh, day after day, living day to day. He just sat there begging, every day the same. In the middle of all these days, uh, there's one day that Jesus is passing by. On that day, I, don't miss what God is doing even now. In the middle of your darkness, there is God Almighty passing by, passing through our situation. Even in the hurt, even in the sickness, Jesus is walking in the midst of darkness. It's what he does. And by saying, your faith has made you well, Jesus emphasizes the necessity of this faith. 
that blind Bartimaeus had the faith, the kind of faith that pleases God, a wholehearted trust in a healer. And Jesus showed once again that those who understand this truth, those who earnestly seek the Lord, that, that Bartimaeus' actions reflected the kind of faith that's pleasing to God. Hebrews eleven six, And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. In the midst of all this excitement, there's a man shouting. You can't help but love him because he can't help but shout out. And they tell him, Jesus uh, doesn't see you. Shh. Jesus doesn't care about that right now. Now, that's not what Jesus is doing right now. But look at this fifth slice. Is Jesus took time. Yes, he did. Out of all the people Jesus could visit in Jericho, of all the people who are in the crowd, scholars tell us there were thousands uh, who were walking with Jesus. He goes into uh, Jerusalem. He, he knows where he's going. This is the Passion Week. Out of all the people who could cause Jesus to stop, it's this man. He stopped and stood still. Of all who could have stopped him, how does a God like him stop for a person like me? How could someone so perfect with such a great purpose, the creator so powerful, how could he stop for someone like me? And he does. And you may have felt, well, I have not been perfect and I've had challenges and I have not done well the last few weeks. How is it a God like him could stop for a person like me? Psalm 8 just describes this feeling. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. And anytime Jesus is spoken of that, that he doesn't care about your need, anytime someone tells you, well, Jesus doesn't want to meet your need, he's not doing that now. He's not interested in that right now. They're caught up in their thinking, not God's thinking. J Jesus says, call upon his name. He takes time. Call out to him. Because the sixth slice is, Jesus gave him a miracle. Good night. You ever stop and think about that? I could use a miracle. Seems everybody I know could use a miracle. And no one's able to do it. But there was one who came to earth and was doing it. He was handing out miracles. It's interesting that a poor blind beggar could see that Jesus was the Messiah while the religious leaders who saw his miracles were blinded to his identity and refused to recognize him as the Messiah. The blind man saw it. I mean, it's thrilling to think that Bartimaeus followed Jesus now with his eyes open. Like he, he could 
physically see. And in a few days, he's going to see Jesus dying on a cross. I mean, Jesus is teaching him what it means to follow him rather quickly. How about that for an orientation? Yeah, follow me. And then a few days later, that's where it goes? How's that for an on-ramp? How's that for an onboarding, huh? What do you want him to do for you? Uh, make your life more successful? More pleasurable? Why are you here? Why do you pray to him? Do you, do you want just this life better? You just want more success? Or to, do you want him to empower you to live a life of love like only he can love? Luke, Luke chapter 18, the, this passage that we've looked at today, the other encounters, parables, pieces in that speak to the kind of school, the kind of orientation that Jesus puts his followers through. That there's no written test for this school. The final exam is found in how I live my, out my life and faith. The things I ask of God and the way that I've lived for God. And the things that I ask of God will result in the way that I choose to live for God. That's why prayer matters. That's why your prayers count. If I'm asking God only for selfish things, hello, I'll live a selfish life in the name of God. If I ask for servant-type things, the more servant-hearted I'll be with my life. The final exam is found in, in my prayers and how I live them out. Jesus is not going to ask us to write out a 750-word essay on how to enter the kingdom of God and proofread it and make sure you got all your verses right and all your translations right and that you said all the right things. He's not going to give you a multiple-choice test of how well you understand what it means to enter the kingdom of God. No, instead, he asks us to depend in faith and humility on a God whom through all things are possible. Even salvation. Even salvation. It's not hidden wealth that makes us Christians. It's not a, a hidden knowledge that makes us Christians. It's a childlike trust available to us. Lord, have mercy on me. I want to see I want to be able to see 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, some, some think that when Jesus made it to Jerusalem and he stood on trial, uh, it says that he did not defend himself. Uh, that, and some think that Jesus uh, therefore never defended himself. But I read through the Gospels, I see Jesus defends himself. Uh, he answers questions, uh, he, he pushes hard on some things, he says who he is, he clarifies who he is, he defends himself, but when he went to Jerusalem to die, he did not defend himself. Why? Because he was taking my place. And there's no defense. There's nothing to say, I'm guilty. And believe me, there was no, uh, there was no defense. And that is the reason he did not open his mouth at that time. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus came by 
out of the cup of his mercy, the cup of his miracles, the cup of his grace. You ever, you ever seen a blind beggar? I have. I've seen a blind beggar, and almost every time I've seen one, they've got a cup. They've got a cup, and they're asking for something. And Jesus came by out of his cup, out of the cup of his miracles, out of the cup of his grace, and he put a miracle in that boy's cup. Yes, he did. He put salvation there. It changed his whole life. Have you seen? I mean, maybe you feel like this today. We, ha- we all bring our cup of emotions, our cup of lack, our cup of uncertainty. And really, we're all blind beggars in need of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that God would restore the sight, the vision of every person who feels like their cup is empty. Would you bow your heads with me? There may be total darkness, but Jesus is total light. Where do you want to see? How do you want to see the world? How do you want to see your life? Who do you want to be? What do you want Jesus Christ to do for you? Why are you here? Why do you pray? You know, the world says that seeing is believing. God says believing is seeing. And Father, I pray for every person who says, I don't know. I am stumbling through this. I'm more blind than than I thought. I am stumbling through this life. And I pray that they'd hear that the God of miracles is speaking. What can I do for you? Give a miracle to every person in Jesus' name. God, I lift up the person who says, my goodness, I've been answering this question the wrong way. My, uh, my, my life is so self-focused that it's, it's made my prayers that way. Everything's out of order. I'm, I'm just trying to live a selfish life in, in the name of God. God, uh, transform me. God, I, I want to be empowered to live a life of love like only you can. And Father, I I lift up the person who needs the miracle of salvation. There is no greater sight than the sight that is restored in salvation. Maybe you've been blinded by pain and by sin, by this world. I'm praying that God would restore that sight. When Jesus died, he went to the cross. He took his cup of pain and obedience so that you and I could have a new life. I'm praying for every person in this room, every person listening, every person watching. God, I'm praying that they would pray to you now, that they would turn to you and say, Jesus, be my savior, be my sight. I need a miracle for new life. I believe that when you died, you died in my place. You died for me. I'm guilty. You paid the penalty. I believe you rose from the dead. And I can have new life. I can have your life. So God, today I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to give me life. God, I need the cross and the resurrection to count for me. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.